You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. All right, well, before we dig in here, guys, let's go uh, just before the Lord in prayer one more time, please. Heavenly Father, uh, just come before you now as we dig into your word. Thankful that we have this available, that uh, we can look to to see what it is that you would teach us, Lord. Uh, we thank you for just the availability of it and for the, um, the, the faithfulness of it, Lord, knowing that what was true when it was written is true today. And Father, just pray that as we look at your scripture today and as, um, again, share from what it is that, that you're laying on my heart, that you would uh, use these words, use me as a tool, um, use your Holy Spirit, Lord, to uh, make these words yours and that uh, you can work through it uh, in these imperfect situations and through these imperfect tools standing before you. Just pray this all in your name. Amen. So as I was contemplating what to share about today, uh, a few different thoughts running through the head over the last oh, two, three weeks or so. Um, the original thought had been using some of what we've been going through in Sunday school with the junior high, high school class of kind of God's design for uh, male and female roles, the submission that he's designed, uh, just kind of that authority structure. Um, but just lately, that didn't seem like the right way to go. Uh, so then the next thought had been, well, maybe looking at some of the favorite verses. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is one of my favorites. Jeremiah 29 ties in well with that one where it looks at, you know, commit your ways to the Lord. He'll make your path straight, plans to prosper you. Um, but then this last week, uh, sitting at two funerals, it seems like we've been dealing with death a lot lately. There's been a lot of heaviness going on, um, whether it's, you know, with Stephen Castle's um, accident we had a couple weeks ago. Um, one of the funerals I was at this last week was a cousin of mine. I didn't know her well, but she was 22, um, three-month-old little boy and uh, a husband of 14 months um, killed in an accident as well. Uh, the third funeral was a little bit more of the usual one that, that you think of. She was 83. Um, so her prayer and talking to the, the daughter each night before she went to bed was, Lord, don't let me wake up. I'm ready to come home. Um, so that was the last one I went to, but it was the, the one with the cousin that really kind of sitting there listening to the pastor and, and trying to be sensitive to what the, the spirit was saying for what I needed to share today took me to where we're going to go, to Psalm 23. Um, so we'll, it's a familiar one, oldie but a goodie, you may call it. Um, but I want to just read that first, and then we'll just kind of see where the, the meditations go from there. Uh, I, I tried to put some notes down here, but I do have a tendency sometimes to, to meander, so I'm hoping that this is somewhat cohesive and, and somewhat concise. So Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, like I said, this is kind of an oldie but a goodie. Um, one that a lot of people memorized in Sunday school growing up. Uh, I remember doing it as a kid as well. So where I really wanted to, to start the focus on today might be a little bit of a different spot, but I wanted to start at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And the reason that I wanted to look at this one was because of basically the, the, the funeral on Wednesday that, um, that I had attended. So the, the, the big word that was missing as I was reading through this one was if. You know, it's not an if we go through this trial, this tribulation, this valley. It's more of when, you know, even though. It's a guarantee that we are going to be going through some kind of, of trouble, some, time, some type of distress in our lives. Um, I, I think sometimes we almost do a disservice as we're sharing the gospel um, with somebody who's not a believer that, we don't intend to, but it comes across that once once you commit your life to Jesus, life is easy. You know, there to a certain degree it is. You know, we have that hope, we have that joy that comes in knowing the Lord, that comes with um, the salvation that comes with it. But at the same point, we've we've got this life on earth that we still are dealing with, and there is death, there is trials, there are um, frustrations and things that don't go our way, and. We aren't robots once we give our lives to Christ. We still have the emotions. We still bleed. We still cry. We still get frustrated. Um, but we have a different perspective on how we handle those once, once we have given our lives to the Lord, once he's, he's called us to himself. Um, but, but again, we do have, have these hardships that we're going to go with. And it's, again, it's not an if. It's a guarantee. Um, when I was putting this together, just a couple of verses that I wanted to kind of highlight that shows us that this is uh, coming from Christ's word. So uh, again, he's telling us that this is going to happen. Uh, Luke twenty-one twelve is the first one that I wanted to look at here. And sorry, I'm going to flip through kind of quick. If you guys can keep up with me, great. Um, but don't worry about it. If I'm going to go through three here real quick. So Luke twenty-one twelve. Um, Again, this is Christ sharing with the disciples of things to come. And 10 and 11 talk about, um, I'll just start at 10, I guess. Then Christ continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you. Again, the disciples he's talking to. Delivering you to the synagogues and the prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. Um, so again, you can see here, Christ is telling the disciples, you're, you're going to need to be ready for this. They're going to come after you. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to take you before the leaders. 
Um, and it's because of him. And then if we flip over to John, um, I had to smile a little bit this morning during Sunday school. I, I cheated this morning. I sat in on the adult ones rather than, than leading our own. Two of the first passages that Milt brought up today happened to be these. So um, for me, it was kind of like, all right, Lord, we, we've got this all coming together today. So that was, that was fun to see uh, and reassuring to see. But uh, John fifteen eighteen through 19 Again, this is talking about the, the disciples' relation to the world. Um, and Jesus is talking again. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. And then just a few, few verses over, John 16, 1 through 3. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from their synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. Um, So again, that's... How does this tie into Psalm 23? Really just kind of that, that promise of there are going to be those valleys that we're going through because of Christ. Um, but going back now to the first three verses, we see the promise that, that comes from this too. We're not left on our own to have to deal with all of these trials and tribulations and death that we're going to be dealing with. Um, and even the second half of verse 4 here, Um, I'll start with that one, then we'll go back and look at the first three. So the second part of verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, Again, the the imagery that we have of Christ as the shepherd, uh, watching over us, being with us, comforting us. And then the first three, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. You know, looking at that as we started, even if we, we get to verse 3 first, he restores my soul. Why do we need that restoration? You know, wh- what is causing us to need, need him to, to take us to a green pasture and to lie down, to get a drink, to, to restore our soul? It's because of everything that's going on around us, all the trials, all the, the tribulations that we're dealing with. And, and life in itself is tough, you know, let alone with everything else added onto it. Um, one of the, the favorite quotes, I guess, that I use at home quite a bit with the kids when they talk about life not being fair comes from Boy Meets World. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that show, but it's one I liked as a kid. Eric, the older brother, tells Corey, the younger one, when he was complaining, life's tough, brother. Get a helmet. And then he gives him a nice little hit on the forehead just to reiterate the point. Life is tough. Um, I I could take the analogy maybe a little too far saying Christ is our helmet, but maybe not. Um, You know, we we, we read later in Scripture about putting on the armor of God, um, and the Bible and Christ is, is that armor that we need to help us get through um, this thing they call life. So, um, you know, that, that's the imagery David was using. We've got the Holy Spirit 
as our helper. Again, Christ, we, we see in the New Testament, he promises the disciples when he's leaving that he's going to provide the helper for them, um, not just for them, but for us as well. And we've got the, the Holy Spirit being with us um, and, and it helps in, in different ways. Uh, the big one is, I think one of the big ones, is our attitude when we're going through all of these different things. And what really struck me, uh, again, I'm going to refer to the funeral quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to steal a little bit of what the pastor shared that day just because it did hit. Uh, I, I thought it was a really good way of putting things in perspective. Um, he, he was talking about our attitudes in this particular situation where they were having to bury their daughter and their their sister and their their wife um, and there's two ways that we can react when something like that is happening. We can act in bitterness towards God and blaming him, which is a really scary attitude to have, or um, the tougher one is we can rejoice and praise God for for even that situation that's going on. And honestly, the way that the family was handling it, they had that second attitude down. Um, one of the first things that they did as a group uh, was all of the family. So she came from a large family. She was the fifth of 12 siblings. Mom and dad were up there. Um, there were seven nieces and nephews, plus, plus her husband's side of the family up there too. They all stood up there and sang a song um, that they were singing in the hospital when they were waiting for a miracle, hoping for a miracle, but yeah, coming to grips that she might not make it. And, you know, usually when you think of somebody singing, it's they're getting choked up. I'm um, trying not to choke up right now too. But dry eye through the whole thing because they knew of their hope in Christ. Um, and then that's where she was. She loved Jesus with all her heart. And they were celebrating that she got there first before all of them. Now, you know, they they were still sorrowful. They wished that they still had more time with her. But they admitted she didn't want to come back. She won. Um, so just seeing that um, and just kind of taking stock of, you know, in my own life, how do I handle adversity? Um, you know, the if you will, the last month of May was kind of a tough month from a, a work perspective. My attitude was not one of rejoicing, as my wife will probably attest to. And that was just something trivial as work. It wasn't burying a child. It wasn't burying a father or, or mother or whomever. Um, so just, you know, taking stock of what is my attitude, where is my heart focused at as well. Um, and... You know, again, the pastor used the illustration. We've seen it quite often through, um, I forget if it's David Tripp or whomever, but the water bottle. When we have those trials, when we get adversities and we're shooken, what comes out of the water bottle? Water, when you shake it. And why is that? Because that's what's already in there. So when we're shaken through these tribulations and these trials, what comes out of us? Is it um, an attitude of rejoicing in the Lord or is it an attitude of uh, bitterness towards him? And really take stock of that because that's already showing you what's there that's being brought out in these, these trials and these tribulations. So moving forward then, um, you know, we, we've got this promise of help. 
uh, are of hope. But it's not just for this world. It's bigger than that. And we were kind of talking about it in, in Sunday school this morning, too. If we look at verse uh, 5 and 6 here, the last part of it, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And then the big one here, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, again, this, this life that we have is just a temporary thing. Whether it's 20 years, 80 years, or anywhere in between that, um, the if you want to call that one just kind of the... Oh, my mind's going blank right now on the kind of the the appetizer, if you will. Um, the I'm trying to think of in the movies when you get that little five minute snippet ahead of time, just a little featurette um, before the main the the main um, main attraction. You know, being up in heaven, serving, praising our Lord—that's the main attraction that we're all looking forward to. Um, So I'm going to go one more here. John 14, and when we're looking at the promise of eternity here, uh, just the first four verses of, of John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way I am going. I'll just stop there. Um, so again, that's that was Jesus comforting the disciples, even as he's telling them about his betrayal, his death, everything that's going to be happening to him. That wasn't the end. Uh, for us as believers, again, that's not the, the end. We... We have this promise of of living in glory with our Lord and Savior once this this life is up. Um, that's kind of the good news, if you will, because we've been looking at this through the the lens of the believer and the hope, the the promise that we have in that. Um, it's not so much though if we look at it through the the lens of a non-believer. And again, that was something else that this pastor brought out on Wednesday. He caught himself. Uh, when he was talking about the accident that took um, Diana's life, and he said tragedy, and which it is, you know, it's tragic when we lose somebody, especially that young in that way. But he said, you know what? That really isn't a tragedy. The tragedy is for the non-believer when they perish. That's it. They are eternally separated from the Lord at that point. Anything else, whether it's you know. Uh, car crash, passing away in your sleep, whatever it may be, that's just an accident. Because we've got that as the believers, the promise on the other side. And, you know, as much as we hear nowadays, all roads lead to the same place, um, it's not. Don't, it's, it's a lie. John fourteen one or John fourteen six, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
there's only one one way. There's only one hope that we have, and that's through Christ. Um, flipping over to Romans 10, I think Dave maybe hit on this one last week, but again, it's a, a really good one to look at one more time. Um, and again, I'll give you guys a couple minutes to get there so that you can follow along if you want to. So Romans 10, 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches in all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is going to be a little bit shorter. You guys may appreciate that. You may not. I don't know. But just to to wrap it up here, how does this all tie back together again? Um, going back to Psalm 23. Those of us who call upon the Lord as our Savior, who, who believe in him as, as the, the one true way, we have the confidence like David does in verse 6 here to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, but for those that don't, then we're looking at a tragedy. And that's the last thing that we want to have happen. So we, we have the the news, we have the knowledge, we have the the call, even in Matthew, to go out and and share this news that we have with those around us. Um, let's avoid as many tragedies as we possibly can. So I'll close us in prayer, and then if I'm understanding this right, we're dismissed at that point. We won't have any closing him or anything, so... Heavenly Father, um, thank you again for your word, for your truths, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that if there is anything that uh, in my attempt of of sharing today was inaccurate or, or not right, that your Holy Spirit and your power would work to correct that. Um, Father, we just thank you for for the promise that we have of salvation in you that... Um, through your son Jesus, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, that our sins can be forgiven if we confess and repent, that we can have that that gift of standing before you in your throne, giving you praise and honor and glory for all eternity. Um, and we just um, pray for those, Lord, who... Um, may not have heard this before, may have heard it, but never understood it. Father, we just pray for your work to be done in their hearts and their lives, that that they would come to know you. And Lord, we thank you for those that uh, you have called, that whether it's, you know, one week or, or all their lives, that they have known you as their Lord and Savior, Father. We just thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, we just... Um, Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love. And Father, we just pray that news with those around us so that um, 
we can minimize the amount of tragedies of people dying not knowing you as their Lord and that instead it's just an accident that takes us into the next life to be with you forever.